Well, hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Teacher of the Film Buff podcast. This will be a deep dive review into Spider-Man Far From Home, released earlier this week, as I said on last week's show. That's what we're going to tackle this week. And so there's a couple factors uh, playing into how I feel about this movie. Uh, one being that I did see it at a midnight release which is the first midnight release film I have seen since Man of Steel, mostly just because they don't do that anymore. They basically just release the movies at 7 p.m. or 10 p.m. the night before, but midnight was the only screening they had for for Monday night, uh, July 1st, so felt like it was was a perfect opportunity to jump back into the old days of seeing the, the new releases at midnight, which was always a fun thing to do, so that does play a factor. I believe, at least. Um, Also, the fact that it does come after Avengers Endgame is the first MCU uh, released superhero movie post what might be Marvel's masterpiece and what might be the only movie they ever have besides Black Panther to get nominated for Best Picture. So, a couple things playing in there. I think, you know, last year with Ant-Man and the Wasp, certainly played a role into how people thought about that movie because it was the first movie released after Infinity War. Some people think it it helped that movie and it was more of a a palate cleanser per se. I think that movie is complete trash and and the worst thing that Marvel Cinematic Universe has put out to this point. Um, So I think it's it's a similar thing here with Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. It is more of a coda of sorts, a prologue, or an epilogue, I should say, uh, to Avengers Endgame, which helps it way more than Ant-Man and the Wasp did, because that was essentially a prequel or a movie that was kind of going on at the same time as Infinity War. Um, so that's certainly an interesting uh, tactic or um, adventure they took with this movie. To me, though, I... I think that they still haven't really captured um, the heart and the emotional weight, um, the stakes that were involved in the previous iterations of Spider-Man. Now, what I I mean by that is, yes, Tom Holland is an absolutely incredible Spider-Man. He's a great Peter Parker. um, But I feel like because it's related to the MCU, they felt the need to connect it a lot um, to those characters, and I do love the connection that that Peter has with Tony, or had with Tony, um, in the first Spider-Man, Spider-Man: Homecoming, as well as you know, Civil War, Infinity War, and eventually Avengers: Endgame. Um, but there's something about, and I get it. He's you know he says can't be you know Spider-Man if you're not gonna you know take care of your your neighborhood or whatever you know whatever that line is that he says in one of the movies but i i I really wish they would actually go back to just the neighborhood spider-man yes he's helping out in in dire circumstances but um i don't know there's something about like the the way that they've tackled this iteration of spider-man that doesn't feel grounded and it doesn't feel like it doesn't i mean he certainly feels like a high schooler and it's the first Spider-Man that, that you definitely believe that they're in high school. They're still in school. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I honestly can't really explain it. And I rewatched um, Spider-Man Homecoming right before I saw Spider-Man Far From Home because I hadn't seen Spider-Man Homecoming 
since the theater. I'd seen it twice in the theater. Liked it both times, didn't love it. Um, and that's really the story with all the Spider-Man movies, to be honest, and we'll get to that later. But I kind of was hoping it would give me a different perspective, especially since I've seen, you know, all, you know, both the Avengers movies since um, revisited Civil War. Like, I've seen, you know, we have three other Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man performances other than his own Spider-Man movies. So that's it's, it's an interesting thing. He's already played Spider-Man five times, which is way more than, you know, either Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield. Honestly, it's it's how much they both played it combined. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not totally certain. I, I still don't really like how techy Spider-Man's stuff is. So, like, I'm glad that he didn't really use his Iron Spider suit uh, in this movie because I think it, I feel like that's a good thing for, like, an Avengers movie, but I don't need Spider-Man... You know, going around in that that suit, or even honestly, the one that Tony made for him, I I really don't need. I I, I don't need the techie, the AI in there, all the different settings. Like, it, it, he's Spider Man. He he's good enough on his own. Just having his like, it's cool. It's certainly cool, but I I don't know. After a while, you're just like, yeah, I kind of wish it was just the you know the old Spider Man suit. So, um, and again it. it the thing that they do in Spider-Man Homecoming with Zendaya's character, who is named Michelle up until, what, the final couple scenes when she's uh, she says, oh, my friends call me MJ. It's like, okay, all right. They just wanted to do the, the name thing. Like, oh, it's just a nod to the character. No, 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 no. They're, they're full on making her MJ in, in Spider-Man Far From Home. And I, you know, it's not Zendaya's fault because she's actually pretty dang good in this movie. And I think that her and Peter's relationship is way better in this movie than it is in spider-man homecoming but that's that's not mj that's not any type of mj that i've ever seen in any movie or any video game in the in admittedly i haven't read a lot of comics but the comics i've read of spider-man and mj in it that's not mj at all um so it's fine like i don't care if if they have this relationship but it's kind of fake to call it mj she's not She's not Mary Jane, so like, why even use the name? Why just keep Michelle, and just do what the Batman, the Dark Knight trilogy did, and just have uh, Rachel Dawes be just a new love interest for Batman? Like, you don't have to name it after a certain character just to give a nod, you know? If you're not gonna actually adapt the character, then why give her the name? Well, that's that's just that's how I feel about it. But let's let's go right back to Spider-Man: Far From Home a little bit more though. Here is uh, let's tackle Jake Gyllenhaal because Jake Gyllenhaal is clearly one of the best actors working today just about a week or two ago i watched his uh, performance in velvet buzzsaw which is one of the strangest and most obscure movies i've ever seen Uh, but he's fantastic and he's always he's always great at playing these very out there um obscure off kilter characters like he did so brilliantly in like nightcrawler or uh, Donnie Darko or Demolition um, or even uh, Ocha. He's, he's very just offbeat in, in that movie as well. So he's, he's fantastic in, in just about everything he's in. So when then there were rumors that he was going to be cast as Mysterio or Quentin Beck in this movie, I was thrilled, absolutely thrilled. I feel like it, it's only, there's no way he signs on to this movie unless he thinks that script is incredible, because he's been rumored for so many superhero movies in the past. 
believe he was up for Doctor Strange at one point. I know that he was talking to Nolan about possibly being in one of those movies. Um, and that was years ago. I think he was up for even Batman Begins or even Superman back in the day, too. So, I don't know. I mean, it, again, if he's going to be in this movie, you'd think that the script is incredible. And, and to be honest, the script is not incredible. And the directing is not that great either. Um, but he is pretty good. He's pretty good as Quentin Beck. And um, it's certainly a different villain for Spider-Man to face. Um, I'm not a fan of the whole hologram-type uh, monsters that that he creates in order to make it seem like he's being a hero. This is a spoiler review, by the way. Um, I just... Like, I don't want Spider-Man facing the massive Sandman or Hydro-Man. Like, I don't need that. I want him facing somebody like the Green Goblin. Mysterio's fine, but I don't need all these extra creations. I don't need a big CGI fest. It's Spider-Man. You know, it's like making Batman this huge CGI film. No. You keep it grounded. Um, you keep it on the streets. You keep it, you know, he's saving the the innocents. And you, I don't know. it. Some of the things that they do with the action set pieces in this movie i'm not going to say they're not well done they just don't feel like they're fitting with the actual story and uh the character of spider-man so and also the other thing that kind of bothered me about this movie and i get it it's in the title we kind of knew it was going to happen this way but the fact that everything's outside of new york and and really in europe is kind of just like annoying and I get him complaining about these stupid little things that, like, we've had seven Spider-Man movies. Of course, one of them's going to be outside of the country. But again, there's something about him saving citizens in New York. There's something about the city of New York as a, as a character of his movies uh, that make it feel more grounded. I didn't need a whole Europe trip, like another reason for these classmates to go on a trip together. Like, we just did that in Spider-Man Homecoming. Of course, they went to only D.C., but it's, it's still a trip. Like, we don't need that as well as... Um, you know, that little piece of Chitauri technology that he, like, accidentally brings on the school trip in, in the first movie. And then, of course, oh, what do you know? There's there's a piece of technology that Quentin Beck loses in this movie. And Michelle, or sorry, MJ and Peter, uh, they find. And then that's how they realize. Like, it's the same story. They're doing the same thing. Um, so the plot devices that need to be a little bit more creative, in my mind. Um but I will say, so Ned himself, you know, Spider-Man's best friend, is fantastic. He's one of the best parts of this movie. He's hilarious. I love his his uh, relationship with um, the actress from The Nice Guys. Can't remember her character name, but she's she's really good. Ned's really good. I love the direction they take their relationship. I think it's very uh, creative and it, it it's downright hilarious. Um, definitely made in my theater for some of the best laughs uh, the entire night. So that was good. Um, Mysterio's plan, though. So, like I mentioned already, Hydro's plan, Hydro Man, and um, you know, element the all the elementals essentially that he's like creating or making a visual of for Peter, so that he fights a, you know, fights them, and then makes it seem like Mysterio's the the hero or whatever. You know, so like what he wants to be the next Tony Stark. Like, do we really need more relation to the next Tony Stark? I get it's supposed to mirror. You know, Peter, how he's feeling that he may need to step in and be the next Tony Stark. Like, oh, no, you know, of course, you don't need to be the next Tony Stark. You need to be the next you. Like, it's it's 
it's such simple storytelling. I know it like I know it makes sense after Avengers Endgame to do that storyline, but I really hope in the third movie we don't need any sort of connection to Tony. It's a completely centralized story to Peter Parker. Um, maybe even you know something with his family because I feel like uh, uh, Aunt May is barely in this movie. Um, but like you get it. So Jake Gyllenhaal is a former employee of Tony Stark. They're all disgruntled. He gets a group of people, helps them do this, and of course it's in Europe, right where Peter's going on the trip. It's like okay, all right, you know, uh, yes, uh, and that's kind of where you know Nick Fury and Maria Hill come in. Um, which okay, Nick Fury. I'm glad he's in the movie because it's Nick Fury, and I guess it's more connection to the movies doesn't really need to be in the movie besides just telling Peter uh, exposition as to why he's on these trips and like saying, hey, get your act together. Like we could have just had Happy Hogan do that, to be honest. And Maria Hill, like I love Kobe Smulders. I love her in the role. I think she's good. I think her best performance was probably back in Winter Soldier when she actually had stuff to do. Um, but I don't see the reason at all why she signed out of this movie. It's a couple scenes unless she's getting a pay- big paycheck. There's no reason for her character to be in this movie whatsoever i'm not even sure she has like a a joke through line you know like they do with a lot of the side characters throughout the movie so absolutely no reason for her to be in the movie um but again back to Anne may though i mean we have marissa tomei she was so good in the first spider-man spider-man homecoming i loved her relationship with peter i think it's very special and sweet um and and the little stuff that they have with happy hogan is is fun in this movie to a certain extent um, kind of just repeating the same thing that they did with her and Tony um, in you know the first couple iterations of the Tom Holland Spider-Man, but I don't know. Could have used more of her, um, and of course let's let's go ahead and you know, tackle kind of what happens. You know, of course the final fight happens. Peter defeats Mysterio, blah 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 blah, and then the after credits scene happens, which is a video of J. Jonah Jameson on the big screen in New York. Um, I believe it's Times Square. I think it, that's where the scene takes place. Of course, J. Jonah Jameson is played by the one and only J.K. Simmons, who hasn't been J. Jonah since Spider-Man 3. You know, everybody wanted him to come back to the Andrew Garfield iteration of Spider-Man. Wasn't meant to be. I know there were rumors at one point that they wanted Jim Carrey to be to play that role, which I think, honestly, would have been pretty interesting. As long as he doesn't take the role too over the top, like it looks like he's doing for um, the, oh God, what is that? The stupid little character, the Sega character. But anyway, Sonic. As long as he's taking that whole movie way too over the top if you look by the, the trailer. So I maybe in hindsight, Jim Carrey wouldn't have been a good J. John Jameson. But anyway, getting back to Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, that was awesome seeing him back on the big screen, although I was sort of spoiled by that with an IMDb cast list um, just before the movie came out, which, of course, I'm mad at myself for looking at, but that's my fault. Um, but that was really cool, but really the, the point of, of interest here is the fact that he reveals Spider-Man's identity to be Peter Parker. Um, now that, now much like a 2018 summer blockbuster, that I wasn't a huge fan of, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, it leaves you thinking that the third one could be incredible, 
with the way they end that second Jurassic World, all the dinosaurs are finally out in the real world. Uh, they're finally just running around without supervision. Um, basically, hopefully, fingers crossed, going to create like a post-apocalyptic type story for the third movie, which could be cool, although the second one is not good at all. Um, but it's the same thing here with Spider-Man Far From Home, where it's like, I like the movie. I don't love it. But that end post credit scene gets me excited for what they can do in the third movie. Although it's kind of like what they did with Man of Steel, where it's like you kind of still want to see more of like him dealing with the um, you know, secret identity. Um, of course, they get rid of that right at the end of the first uh, Superman movie with Henry Cavill. And it's like, oh, okay, all right. I guess he's not going to even tackle um, really with the Daily Planet. Like he gets the job, but it's like they're, they really don't have any plans to do that. Like you can clearly see. And then, of course, he dies at the end of Batman v Superman. So it's like, you know. Clark Kent can't come back for that so it's like I guess people don't really have any interest in, in writing storylines around secret identities I guess it's gotten kind of gotten old at this point which you know I guess I can agree with that to a certain extent but but I'm telling you the possibilities for the third one are endless um, very interested to see where they go I really do hope they bring back J.K. Simmons for a full-on role and I hope this wasn't just the, like a, hey can you shoot a scene for like you know 15 minutes here for us be on your way and then we're never going to call you again type of thing i think it'd be a missed opportunity but then again how does he get a job with the daily bugle and work under jay jonah if everybody knows his secret so it creates some issues but overall like i know it sounds like i'm kind of bashing this movie it always feels like there's more to dislike to talk about it's like easier to, to talk about the things you dislike sometimes than the things you like which isn't a good sign for a movie but i feel like this movie did a good enough job to a certain extent um, to make me wanting more. I do need to see it again. I will say that. I've only seen it once, so maybe I'll feel differently on a second watch. I just feel like there's a lot more room to grow with the Spider-Man movie, and I don't feel like we've actually had a, a great Spider-Man movie to date. Um, I really don't. Um, I know people say the Raimi films, the first couple, are really, really good. And don't get me wrong, we'll get into my list in a second. Um, they are, but they're not great. None of them have been great. Um, so I guess why don't we why don't we get really into to ranking the Spider-Man films? I don't really have a favorite, to be honest. Like, I actually do own, funny enough, I own every single Spider-Man movie. Um, you know, I own all six of the ones released so far, uh, and I will own Far From Home. I just know I will. Um, I also own him in Civil War. I own Infinity War. I will own Endgame. So I own every cinematic um, interpretation of the character of Spider-Man. But at the same time, I don't love the movies. And I rarely actually go back and fully rewatch them. Um, there's scenes that I really love from just about every one of the Spider-Man movies. And I think the Garfield ones get a certain amount of uh, unwarranted hate um but let's let's get right into this because you know what i just realized i don't think i ranked all of them here let me make sure i actually have okay that's what we wanted to do there okay so getting right into it at number seven and i think this is an easy choice for a lot of people it's really between two movies for a lot of people. To me, there's no question. Although, I'm telling you, I still like scenes from this movie, but it would be Spider-Man 3. 
Um, the dance scene alone is is makes this the worst. I don't seriously sometimes know what they were thinking for a lot of this movie, but there's some stuff that I really like. Like I actually like Tobey Maguire's performance as Peter, especially when he's grieving over the death of Harry at the end of the movie. I think it's very genuine, um, and I do buy into him and Mary Jane's bond. I just don't buy into the fight and the breakup that they have in this movie. I think it's ridiculous. Um, and the stuff in the kitchen between Harry and Mary Jane. Yikes. Um, so that's Spider-Man 3 at number 7. At number 6, as of now, it's this one right here, Spider-Man Far From Home. They're, everything's very close together. I don't really, again, favor particularly uh, any of them over any of the other ones. Um, but Spider-Man Far From Home, as of right now, it ends here at number 6. At number 5, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Now, a lot of people have this as their worst. I think this is the best, and don't get me wrong saying that, I legitimately think this is the best uh, relationship Spider-Man we've ever had. Him and Gwen in this movie. And the first, to, to an extent, the first Amazing Spider-Man Um are amazing i can watch i can watch their relationship over and over and over again and these are scenes that i will go back and rewatch because i think they are so well handled and it's clearly you know because they had an off-screen relationship as well at the time with andrew garfield and emma stone but i think that they themselves though two those two are up and away the best and to me honestly my favorite superhero relationship romance really in any superhero movie of all time that, that's my favorite um that's amazing spider-man 2 i get i uh, get the hate for electro i think the electro stuff is not great but the stuff with green goblin and, and um, dane dehan is is very good i think they handle the death of gwen stacy very well uh, i do love hans Zimmer's score other than the electro stuff uh, i think the electro stuff is uh to a certain extent awful but um everything else like with Dane DeHaan is fantastic. Um, and all Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer's theme for Spider-Man is really fantastic. Um, so anyway, that's Amazing Spider-Man 2. Then we're going to get into number 4, which is The Amazing Spider-Man. And again, this, these, these can really flip and flop uh, just about every day. Uh, but as of now, it is The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I love the relationship between him and, and Captain Stacy in this movie. Uh, I think it's a different vibe than we've gotten from any Spider-Man movie, and uh, it's more of like a, a Commissioner Gordon Batman type of type of deal. Although, you know, of course, he's the father of his girlfriend, um, so that that changes things. Of course, the Lizard is you know good. I, I would say he's just a, a a Walmart version of of Doc Ock in this movie. Um, so that's you know, that's just my opinion. I think it's well handled. It's just it, this movie can only be so good. But I do love. Uh, the addition of Sally Field as Aunt May. I think that's, that was a great casting. Of course, I would have loved to see more of that, but uh, that's number four, The Amazing Spider-Man. Number three would be Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't even really think I like this movie that much, uh, but it's just better than the other movies. If we're actually ranking best, like what, what, what I think is actually the most well-made, this is probably the third best. Um, I already kind of talked about it earlier. I won't get into it too much, but I do love the stuff with Tony. I just think it's it feels like even though he only gets like ten minutes of screen time in the movie, I think the movie feels too much like a, a Tony Stark story than it does a, a Peter Parker story at at times. Not the whole movie at times. Um, 
coming in at number two is Spider-Man 2. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 came out in 2004. Um, a lot of people think this is the, the best one. Um, I think you can make the case that certain scenes are the best. Um, but I don't. I, I think I think that the first movie, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man One, which came out in two thousand two, is the best movie that comes in at my number one. I think it holds a little bit a special place in my heart, especially because it's the first superhero movie I ever saw in theaters. I saw this in three D opening weekend in two thousand two. Uh, kind of terrified me with all the Green Goblin stuff when I was only seven or eight years old, eight years old at the time. Um, that was pretty scary, uh, but it did leave an it leave it left a mark. It actually. Looking back, definitely the first superhero movie I ever saw. Um, yeah, because I wouldn't have seen any of the, the Batman movies at that time. Definitely wouldn't have seen any of the Superman movies. X-Men movies scared to death when I saw the, the trailers for those movies when I was younger. Um, yeah, so this actually would be the, the first superhero movie. I mean, they weren't as popular back then, but this... So, it, you know, it does hold a special place in my heart. And I do love... I know people bash it, but I do love the stuff with him and, and Mary Jane by Kirsten Dunst. I think it's pretty genuine. Um, so that's it. That's the ranking. And that's the review for Spider-Man Far From Home. We'll see. We'll see where they go from here. Looks like we're going to have another 9 to 10 months before we even get uh, another MCU movie. I believe that would be Black Widow. They haven't officially released that, I'm sure, within the coming weeks with Comic-Con. Um, they will tackle that. So that's where we're at right now. That's the review. That's the ranking. See you next time. Thanks.